the company left Havre in two ships, on March 7, 1604, according to Champlain, or just a month later, according to Le Carbot. Although de Mont's commission gave him the usual privilege of impressing convicts, the personnel of his band was far above the average. Champlain's statement is that it comprised about 120 artisans, and there were also a large number of gentlemen, of whom not a few were of noble birth. Besides the excitement provided by icebergs, the arguments of priest and pastor diversified the voyage, even to the point of scandal. After crossing the Grand Bank in safety, they were nearly wrecked off Sable Island, but succeeded in reaching the Acadian coast on May 8. From their landfall at Cap de la Heve, they skirted the coastline to Port Mouton, confiscating en route a ship which was buying furs in defiance of de Mont's monopoly. Rabbits and other game were found in abundance at Port Mouton, but the spot proved quite unfit for settlement, and on May 19, de Mont charged Champlain with the task of exploring the coast in search of harbours. Taking a bark of eight tons and a crew of ten men, together with Rouleau, de Mont's secretary, Champlain set out upon this important reconnaissance. Fish, game, good soil, good timber, minerals, and safe anchorage were all objects of search. Skirting the southwestern corner of Nova Scotia, the little ship passed Cape Sable and the Tusket Islands, turned into the Bay of Fundy, and advanced along to a point somewhat beyond the north end of Long Island. Champlain gives at considerable length the details of his first excursion along the Acadian seaboard. In his zeal for discovery, he caused those left at Port Mouton both inconvenience and anxiety. Le Carbot says, with a touch of sharpness, Champlain was such a time away on this expedition that when deliberating about their return to France, they thought of leaving him behind. Champlain's own statement is that at Port Mouton, Sieur de Mont was awaiting us from day to day, thinking only of our long stay and whether some accident had not befallen us. De Mont's position at Port Mouton was indeed difficult. By changing his course in mid-ocean, he had missed rendezvous with the larger of his two ships, which under the command of Pontgrave looked for him in vain from Canso to the Bay of Islands. Meanwhile, at Port Mouton, provisions were running low, save for rabbits, which could not be expected to last forever. The more timid raised doubts and spoke of France, but de Mont and Poutrincourt both said they would rather die than go back. In this mood, the party continued to hunt rabbits, to search the coast northeasterly for Pontgrave, and to await Champlain's return. Their courage had its reward. Pontgrave's ship was found, de Mont revictualled, Champlain reappeared, and by the middle of June, the little band of colonists was ready to proceed. As de Mont heads southwest from Port Mouton, it is difficult to avoid thoughts regarding the ultimate destiny of France in the New World. This was the predestined moment. The wars of religion had ended in the reunion of the realm under a strong and popular king. The French nation was conscious of its greatness, and seemed ready for any undertaking that promised honor or advantage. The Huguenots were a sect whose members possessed Calvinistic firmness of will, together with a special motive for emigrating. And besides, the whole eastern coast of America, within the temperate zone, was still to be had for the taking. With such a magnificent opportunity, why was the result so meager? A complete answer to this query would lead us far afield, but the whole history of New France bears witness to the fact that the cause of failure is not to be found in the individual French emigrant. 
there have never been more valiant or tenacious colonists than the peasants of Normandy who cleared away the Laurentian wilderness and explored the recesses of North America. France, in the age of de Mont and Champlain, possessed adequate resources, if only her effort had been concentrated on America, or if the Huguenots had not been prevented from founding colonies, or if the crown had been less meddlesome, or if the quest of beaver skins farther north had not diverted attention from Chesapeake Bay and Manhattan Island. The best chance the French ever had to effect a foothold in the middle portion of the Atlantic coast came to them in 1604, when, before any rivals had established themselves, de Mont was at hand for the express purpose of founding a colony. It is quite probable that even if he had landed on Manhattan Island, the European preoccupations of France would have prevented Henry IV from supporting a colony at that point with sufficient vigor to protect it from the English. Yet the most striking aspect of de Mont's attempt in Acadia is the failure to seize a chance which never came again to the French race. In 1607 Champlain sailed away from Port Royal and the English founded Jamestown. In 1608 Champlain founded Quebec and thenceforth for over a century the efforts of France were concentrated on the St. Lawrence. When at length she founded Louisbourg it was too late. By that time the English grasp upon the coast could not be loosened. Meanwhile de Mont, to whom the future was veiled, left Port Mouton and, creeping from point to point, entered the Bay of Fundy or, as Champlain calls it, the Great Bay Francoise, so named by Sieur de Mont. The month was June, but no time could be lost, for at this juncture the aim of exploration was the discovery of a suitable site, and after the site had been fixed, the colonists needed what time remained before winter to build their houses. Hence de Mont's first exploration of the Bay Francoise was not exhaustive. He entered Annapolis Basin and glanced at the spot which afterwards was to be Port Royal. He tried in vain to find a copper mine of which he had heard from Prévert of St. Malo. He coasted the Bay of St. John and on June 25 reached St. Croix Island. Not finding any more suitable place than this island, says Champlain, the leaders of the colony decided that it should be fortified, and thus was the French flag unfurled in Acadia. The arrangement of the settlement at St. Croix was left to Champlain, who gives us a drawing in explanation of his plan. The selection of an island was mainly due to distrust of the Indians, with whom, however, intercourse was necessary. The island lay close to the mouth of a river, now also called the St. Croix. As the choice of this spot proved most unfortunate, it is well to remember the motives which prevailed at the time. Vessels could pass up the river, says Champlain, only at the mercy of the cannon on this island, and we deemed the location most advantageous, not only on account of its situation and good soil, but also on account of the intercourse which we proposed with the savages of these coasts and of the interior, as we should be in the midst of them. We hope to pacify them in course of time, and put an end to the wars which they carry on with one another, so as to derive service from them in future, and convert them to the Christian faith." De Mo's band was made up largely of artisans, who at once began with vigor to erect dwellings. A mill and an oven were built, gardens were laid out, and many seeds planted therein. The mosquitoes proved troublesome, but in other respects the colonists had good cause to be pleased with their first Acadian summer. So far had construction work advanced by the beginning of autumn, that De Mo decided to send an exploration party farther along the coast to the southwest. And, says Champlain, he entrusted me with this work, 
which I found very agreeable. The date of departure from St. Croix was September 2, so that no very ambitious program of discovery could be undertaken before bad weather began. In a boat of eighteen tons, with twelve sailors and two Indian guides, Champlain threaded the maze of islands which lies between Passamaquoddy Bay and the mouth of the Penobscot. The most striking part of the coast was Mount Desert, very high and notched in places, so that there is the appearance to one at sea as of seven or eight mountains extending along near each other. To this island and the Ile O'O, Champlain gave the names they have since borne. Thence advancing, with his hand ever on the lead, he reached the mouth of the Penobscot, despite those islands, rocks, shoals, banks, and breakers which are so numerous on all sides that it is marvellous to behold. Having satisfied himself that the Penobscot was none other than the great river Norumbega, referred to largely on hearsay by earlier geographers, he followed it up almost to Bangor. On regaining the sea he endeavoured to reach the mouth of the Kennebec, but when within a few miles of it was driven back to St. Croix by want of food. In closing the story of this voyage, which had occupied a month, Champlain says with his usual directness, The above is not an exact statement of all I have observed respecting not only the coasts and people, but also the river of Norumbega, and there are none of the marvels there which some persons have described. I am of opinion that this region is as disagreeable in winter as that of our settlement, in which we were greatly deceived. Champlain was now to undergo his first winter in Acadia, and no part of his life could have been more wretched than the ensuing eight months. On October 6 the snow came. On December 3 cakes of ice began to appear along the shore. The storehouse had no cellar, and all liquids froze except sherry. Cider was served by the pound. We were obliged to use very bad water and drink melted snow as there were no springs or brooks. It was impossible to keep warm or to sleep soundly. The food was salt meat and vegetables, which impaired the strength of every one and brought on scurvy. It is unnecessary to cite here Champlain's detailed and graphic descriptions of this dreadful disease. The results are enough. Before the spring came, two-fifths of the colonists had died and of those who remained, half were on the point of death. Not unnaturally, all this produced discontent in Sieur de Mont and others of the settlement. <laughs>